This is the Level Flight Podcast. Welcome back, everyone. The three of us are back in the studio. Connor's back from Florida. Slightly more tanned than he was. No, not at all. Don't lie. <laughs> Listen, they don't know. Um, they can't see anything yet. <laughs> I'm today's host, Brian. Uh, and as, as always, I'm joined by Elliot. Hey, hey. And the not tanned Connor. I'm back, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, how was your trip, Connor? It was great. You know, uh, Orlando was hit a high of plus eight in the first few days I was there. So, you know, just nice warm weather. But it was great. I had a lot of fun. Perfect. And, uh, you know, the the other two of us here had a, a break in Winnipeg. Uh, how'd, you, uh, how'd you do on yours, Elliot? It was good. Uh, just kind of relaxed. Tried to get ready for school and stuff. So. And yeah, prepare so. for the pod for two weeks straight, right? Yep, yep of course. Yep. <laughs> I've been losing sleep over this. <laughs> this um, has been, like, at the top of the bucket list all break. I've been waiting yeah. for this to happen. <laughs> oh, We're finally yeah. here. Let's go. <laughs> I have so many notes. I'm sitting here just ready to go. Uh, and... For good reason, we have a packed show today, uh, including a brand new uh, mailbag segment. Um, We're going to kick into a very brief uh, just recap of some games that we missed after our last recording, which I believe was on the 21st. We pre-recorded the one that came out on Boxing Day for the World Juniors, so we missed a couple of games. Just to quickly recap, uh, the Jets lost to the Bruins in Boston 3-2 in a game that was largely held up by Hellebuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on a back-to-back went to Washington, lost 4-1, and witnessed uh, Alex Ovechkin uh, score his 801st and 802nd goals to pass uh, Gordy Howe for second all-time. Um, and then they hit the winter break. So only missed the two games there uh, right after that. So, um, yeah, then we're into a very busy week where they started with their third straight loss but then <sighs> wrapped it up with uh, three straight so let's kick right into the Jets and Wild, which was a 4-1 loss. Um, not a great one. No, not great. Uh, I wrote down here that the game had kind of a gloomy feel to it. It just kind of felt like it wasn't, like nothing was happening. It, like this was a, a downfall of not having any offense. Um, and the trades and all that, like we've discussed, they needed to trade for a forward, but they're going to get help back this week. So it should help them there. But this is a game where they lacked offense and the Wild are rolling. So I don't mind this loss, to be honest. Uh, they've won nine of their last 11. Last night, they beat Tampa 5-1. to one. Um, And they've weirdly had the Jets number this year. So this is a game that I don't sit here and I go, wow, they should have won this game. Like, the Wild are a really good team. Like, one of the best teams in hockey right now. So losses like this are going to happen. Well, that's the thing, too. And their biggest issue early on was their goaltending. Mm-hmm. Um, and from an unlikely source philip gustafson has become just phenomenal and yet another case of a goalie not really getting a great shot in ottawa going somewhere else and doing really well yep (laughs) it happens a lot yeah yeah i it wasn't a good game but i mean like you said the wild are good but at the same time yeah we need we'll probably talk we'll talk about it a little bit later in the mailbag but yeah a forward would really be nice but the gloomy feel i think that's it happens all the time. It happens in all sports whenever mm-hmm. teams come back from a break. Yeah. It all, it, it, that first game back is always a toss-up. You might as well just grab a coin, flip it, and go, oh, I guess, yeah, this team's <laughs> going to win tonight. It was a solo crowd, and it just, like, the crowd wasn't bad. They had nothing to cheer about. It just felt like a dead game. Like, it just felt like the game was just kind of there. They just lost 4-1. And then it felt like, 
oh, they were really threatening or they really had a push late. It was just kind of there, and they lost. It was kind of just a hockey game. Lost to a good team. It was, it was a hockey game, you know. This is the analysis we're here for. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the hard-hitting analysis from the Level Flight podcast yeah. is that it is indeed hockey that we are talking about. <laughs> uh, if you were uncertain to this point, uh, I'm happy to clear that up for you. <laughs> the um, end of last episode would uh, would say otherwise. True, true. Yeah, but no, <laughs> yeah. like, that, that game... Um, a little bit frustrating because it felt like there was chances fairly early. Uh, I just pulled up a couple things here where almost instantaneously uh, you had a chance from Lowry to uh, put the Jets up one nothing on a breakaway shorthanded. He missed, went and laid a big hit in the corner, but then fell behind the play. And then the Wild came in and somehow, I think it was Jared Spurgeon, came in down low and was standing directly in front of Hellebuck <laughs> and scored. Yeah. Which... Couple goals. It's one of the first times this season. A uh, couple goals. I know for a fact that Hellebuck would be really frustrated with in mm-hmm. this one. Yeah. Um, right. This was this was the game where uh, the Wild got two quick goals, I believe, and then yeah. two goals on like six shots, and people were worried about Hellebuck, and then he responded to say the least. That's the thing too. Like every goalie is going to have you know a game that they might be a little bit you know shaky from. It's the modern NHL. That's the thing. No goalie is going to be perfect for every single game. Right. So, um, no. So essentially, that's that's really the basis of what happened in that game, where it was, uh, you know, a sort of coinciding force of the Jets not being able to produce much, and just the one game that Hellebuck let a couple in to put the Jets down early. But um, they managed that. That was their third straight loss too, and there was a lot of mm-hmm. questions coming up after that. Right. Uh, they managed to rebound against the Canucks. Uh, just a couple of nights later, in a game that many saw as a very, you know, big win, and a lot of guys really stepped up in that one. Yeah, and I don't know if you guys remember, but Sandberg had that really bad turnover to start the game, yep. like almost two minutes yep. in, just right up the middle, right to the Canucks player, down one nothing, boom. I I thought, oh god, here we go again. But they really got rolling in this game, and when I mean they really got rolling, they had a season high in high danger chances with 21 which they haven't had anywhere close to 20 in a game this year like they rolled the Canucks I know it says 4-2 but they started the game the Canucks were leading in shots 5-0 ever since then boom like the Jets just dominated this game the second period especially was essentially just the Jets essentially said we're not going to give you anything yeah we're going to take all the shot the shots we're going to you know take away your shooting lanes and they did that, and it ended up working out for them uh, in a game that you saw a lot of really good performances. Uh, from, I mean, obviously, Mark Shifley with the hat trick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, a couple of points from Connor, a couple of points from Morrissey, goal from Dubois on the penalty shot. Uh, which I was, was just, just mention. Oh, just beautiful. Watching that back right now, it's, it looks really nice. Yeah. As soon as uh, I honestly could not name who the Vancouver Canucks goaltender was. My apologies, uh, Delia. Okay. Um, yeah. But as soon as he drops his pad, Dubois, within half a second, snaps it over the pad. He's got some great decision-making when it comes to sort of in tight. Um, but no, like that was uh, a very interesting game and one that we saw a lot of frustration out of the Canucks and specifically yes. JT Miller. <laughs> oh, um, right. Where at the end of the game there, uh, he was just screaming explicitives at his goalie and slammed his stick on the back of the net. You don't do that. No, you don't. (laughs) And like there's and then his response to it was essentially like, 
don't uh, talk about anything within the room because your opinion doesn't matter, which is not a good way to address fan criticism. He hasn't had the best year with media. No, because then, yeah, he came out uh, later this week and essentially claimed that his two-way game was, uh, you know, his specialty, which I don't think he's played defense in four or five years. People responded to that by saying, like, he's getting outscored, like, 10-3 to at 5-on-5 or something ridiculous. And it's like, well, you're not getting the results you want. On both ends, and the reason and how much is he making? That that's the thing too. Like his his page, like and it's a not lot even for a long time. Well, it's it's not even like kicked in yet. Like no. his extension yeah. kicks in after this season. So if there was ever a shot that Vancouver was going to somehow get rid of him, it's between now and the deadline. It's passed. Um, it, 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 it he'd have to go to a team that has cap space for a long time, uh, because nobody. <laughs> He'll wind up in Chicago somehow. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, the reason I bring him up too is because occasionally I've seen his name for some reason come up uh, when uh, I uh, suggested that uh, they should trade for a forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I responded to, I think it was on Facebook that I had that conversation with someone. Uh, but no, you do not trade for JT Miller under any circumstances for a variety of reasons. Like, good offensive talent, but that... Uh, thing that he did where he's slamming his stick on the net screaming at his goalie to go to the bench that just ruins a locker room and the Jets locker room is pretty good that's like kind of the reason they're good this year so yeah <laughs> you don't want to ruin that absolutely thanks Murray's <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so that was a big win then on New Year's Eve they go into Edmonton and uh, another one of those games where you really you just have Connor Hellebuck to thank yeah um, he had a great game to make sure that, you know, they actually had the chance to, you know, make the difference, uh, you know, late on, later on there. So, yeah, they come out of that one with a 2-1 win. Yeah, and Hellebuck obviously was the star of the show. Uh, Kyle Connor got a really cool goal where he just kind of, like, lunged his stick and got a deflection. That was pretty cool. Um, they only had three high-danger chances in this game coming off the game where they had 21. So kind of a step back, to say the least. Um but shout out to the schedule makers, you know, making it easier to stay up on New Year's Eve with a, a 9 p.m. start in yeah. Edmonton. That was that was clutch. That was big. Um, <laughs> well, I do have to say, and we'll talk about this more because it's, it's a become a theme with this team. I've noticed, and uh, I think Scott Billick tweeted out last night too, that kind of I kind of went, oh, really? We have been getting a lot more shots from the point and mm-hmm. deflection goals. I've remember a lot of goals from teams past where like besides the team that went to the Western Conference final a lot of their goals were like Cal Connor walks in makes really nice move and scores yeah or Mark Shifley gets a one-timer and scores we're scoring in different ways this season which I think is more sustainable and they've had to yeah the injuries and stuff right well yeah and yes injuries play a factor but if you can keep this style of play when an Ehlers comes back when Perfetti comes back when Nate Schmidt comes back, that's huge. Yeah. Because you're not just relying on, again, Ehlers to go around the outside of everybody and skate, 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 and tuck it in and score. Yeah. It's, okay, Ehlers move, move puck around a couple times and point shot from a defenseman. Oh, and we have a tip in front, right? Like, I remember that Western Conference team, in the game that they blew out the Preds, I think they had two deflection goals, or at least one. I think there was one deflection goal. I think Adam Lowry scored one, mm. or somebody on that thir- on the TLC line scored yeah. a deflection, and then there was another one where somebody banged one out in front. Mm. Like sometimes you just have to score greasy and yeah. broken goals. Exactly, and they've kind of had to like with the injuries. Like 
their entire top six is a bottom six. So they're adapting to their the style of play, right? Are you, you trying to call Mark Shafley a bottom <laughs> six center? You <laughs> might want to you might want to qualify that a little bit. Yeah, before wingers, people start wingers, yelling wingers, at you. Wingers, wingers, wingers. Yes, wingers. <laughs> um, Are you calling Kyle? Connor okay, a- <laughs> enough of this. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, when we all know when Carson Kuhlman and Adam Lowry are in your top six on on the wing, you have to find different ways to score. And shout out to Josh Morrissey; he's so good at everything. But he is the best defenseman at shooting four deflections, and yep. he's making a point of it this year. And that's why he has so many assists, and that's why he's in the Norris race because he's so good. Well, that's the thing too, and that's something that uh, from day one, uh, Rick Bonus was talking about getting more from the back end, um, and. Uh, just the other night, I think it was actually after the game uh, against the Flames, uh, Ken Weave had a piece out where he was talking uh, uh, talking about this and got some great uh, you know content here from uh, Brendan Dillon, who never thought I'd say this, got the deflection. Yeah, uh, that was off, great. It was a defenseman shot, defenseman deflection. Dillon Dillon. Yeah, the Dylan Dylan connection, <laughs> um, but no, like uh, he was just talking about how um, you know they're just getting pucks to the net mm-hmm. because if it's closer and you're gonna have a better shot at actually putting it in. So um, it's not necessarily going for the highlight real stuff, uh, and you know in uh, in uh, Dylan's case, he just put himself in front of the net because he was him. down there, <laughs> um, and. Uh, he uh, claims that uh, his deflection came off of his pants, um, and his and I quote, "Pants, yeah, big butt." <laughs> <laughs> oh my word! Hey, any way to score, you know? They yeah, gotta find yeah. it. They're adapting, you know. They're not gonna <laughs> list it on uh, on NHL.com no. as a uh, you know as a specific where it deflects off of, just that it's a goal. So, yeah. Um, no, but that's a that's a big uh, point now for the Jets to actually build off of because this was a major you know, area that they wanted to build off of and what, you know, Coach Bonus really wanted to actually do, and they're doing it. Uh, obviously, as you were talking about, Morrissey's the extreme of this, where yeah. he's already beaten his career high in points. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he has 43 uh, already uh, in, what, 37 games? Yeah, 30, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's... Uh, that's going to help you out a lot when you're getting that much from the back end. But getting stuff from the other guys, there was that great uh, little just get it to the net shot from Hainala against the Flames that yeah. Gagne got a stick he on. He had a couple in the Vancouver game too yeah. where he took – there was a multiple deflections in front where he was throwing pucks at the net. He needs so. to shoot more. That's that's really – like that's the thing. Bones said that after the game. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing where he has a great vision of terms of like when to get it to the net. Mm. But sometimes he – you know, waits too long or looks for the pass first. Sometimes he just has to get to the net. Um, and he's got a great shot. He yeah, use it. yeah, that's the thing too. And we're going to talk a little bit more about him later because uh, we're actually going to dip into our mailbag now. Oh, yeah. Um, this is our first time we're ever doing this. So, uh, you know, essentially just to qualify, we're going to put a couple days before recording, we're going to put out a tweet essentially saying, send us your questions, uh, you know, comments, concerns, doesn't even have to be hockey related if you don't want it to be. Oh, um, clearly, just uh, <laughs> just send us something and uh, we can uh, feature you on the episode here. So we got a few questions that we wanted to touch on, um, and one of them will you know relate back to Hanola. So we will be talking about him more. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, first out of the mailbag here, um, we've got a question here from Noah. Uh, so at uh, Lafort Noah on Twitter, um, uh, Noah asks, "What do the Jets need more?" 
a top six forward or a top four D. Um, and he uh, thinks that they uh, need a top four D more, preferably a right shot, uh, you know, or a right side guy that is more like DeMello, but that, you know, he can provide more offense because DeMello is obviously not, you know, that offensive firepower. Um, what do you guys think? I would go top six forward on this one. Uh, for the longest time, we've been talking about them acquiring a forward because of the injuries, but I still think uh, on Friday, Ehlers and Perfetti might come back. But I still think even when those guys come back, if you want to contend with the best teams in the West, with Vegas, with Colorado, with Minnesota, who's coming on as of late, you need to have the firepower to do it. Uh, I think DeMello is... I also... The the reason I shy away from going top for D is because I also think DeMello is a very capable top-pairing guy to play with Morrissey. I don't think... Like, Pionk, we, ha- we have our issues with Pionk. He's chaotic. He generates a lot of offense but gives up a lot. But I honestly think if Morrissey and DeMello are a capable top pairing which they have proved time and time again i don't think they need to add a defenseman and you guys are going to touch on this but we've had defensemen for the longest time and we have young defensemen and we don't need more per se and i I, i'd say to compete with the best teams in the league we need a forward more than a defenseman oh yeah for sure and um this is a situation of uh i very regularly get into the argument of oh but there there's going to be guys coming back my thought is, they're coming back, but consider having more scoring depth. Yeah. Because you then have way more opportunity. Let's say a couple guys go into a slump, right? You can't move anyone up from that bottom six to, you know, gonna, he's, they're going to jumpstart your offense. Mm-hmm. You bring another top six forward, then suddenly you have, uh, you know, one of your wingers, you know, maybe playing on the, you know, the third line, which in turn gives that third line a bit more of a, a jump. Mm-hmm. Um but then say, you know, someone's going into a slump. You move them up, and then suddenly they have a better, you know, chance of doing that. You jostle the lines around. You have more, you know, flexibility. And that's what you need, as you said, to compete because the best teams in the league have that ability to, you know, move guys around to find some sort of impact. Because if you don't, uh, and the Jets have shown this year with, you know, just even early on before the injury bug really hit them, uh, their depth is not, you know, built to score mm-hmm. it's just how the team's built yeah yeah i mean i was just about to touch on that i was gonna say you look at our top six and go okay yeah you shifley connor you look at everybody and go even if you want to go down to lowry yeah. on the third line like okay you have scoring but then you look at the wings and go okay coolman can't yance fialbi no baron's not going to give you too much it's just um, a bunch of complimentary guys for the star players. Yeah, yeah, which is fine. Yeah, that's good. But as much as I want to say that I love our team and I think all of our lines fit and everything, we don't have like okay. I guess Kyle Connor is our quote unquote star player, but we don't have like a amazing superstar where you're like okay, they're just going to generate so much offense that we just need to put other guys around him, right? So. I mean, yeah, I I go forward just because, like Connor said, we do not need more defensemen. I think we need to trade one instead. I will say Neil Pionk is the main person, not just because, yes, he has generated a lot of offense, but it's just really funny to me that Bonus has been ripping on Hanela for having a two-way game and needing to be better on the defensive end, and Neil Pion can just do whatever he wants. Yeah. But I think that's because he's a veteran, and I think mm-hmm. he sees Hanela being a long-term piece. I actually wouldn't be very surprised if Bonus has actually probably gone to Chevy or to 
management and kind of mm-hmm. gone, okay, I think if we're going to make a move here, let's get rid of Pionk. Because it, it seems to be that Bonus actually likes the young guys. I think he just wants to try to put them in spots where they can succeed. I mean, you look at Heiskanen and yeah. who, he's Dallas, dealt, yeah. who, who he's dealt with in Dallas. And so... But yeah, I would go forward just because if we could get a little bit more scoring, um, if you follow either Connor or Brian on Twitter, you you'll have seen their suggestions for who <laughs> who it should be. There's been a couple waiver pickups that probably like yesterday, Jacob Vrana clearing was. I can't believe he cleared. I thought uh, somebody would pick him no, up. No, I can. I mean, he's played very little over the last couple of years, and he's also got. Over five million on his cap hit for the next two years. That is true. He does. Have a large um, and it's also no one's really sure what he's going to look like because he's been in the player assistance program yeah. all year, so he hasn't really played at all. Like it's not like he was just down in the AHL or something. He just hasn't played. Yeah. So I think there's the uncertainty and the contract. Uh, it doesn't actually shock me that uh, someone didn't pick him up. Um, I mean, it also wouldn't have shocked me if someone did if they had the cap space. Yeah. So. yeah. Exactly. But I will say, yeah, Noah does have a point. I think a right shot defenseman would be good, but I don't think right now is the time to shop for one. Mm-hmm. I think a forward. I think I think what you do is at the deadline or in the next couple of weeks, if I'm management, I look for a forward, and then I look at okay, whose contract is running up at the end of the season, or someone who has a lower cap hit that's playing well this year mm-hmm. that you could trade for in the off season when you have time to figure out how you want the next year's roster to look like. I know that's jumping too far ahead, but mm-hmm. that's kind of separating the problem into two separate things. I actually have noticed we do have a lot of left-shot defense. Yes, absolutely. And I, I get the sentiment of getting a top four, a top-pairing right-shot guy. Um, I just think DeMello is already that, and he's just extremely underrated. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, top six forward. We have so many defense prospects and so many defense veterans how yeah. about you package some of them with a pick and go big game hunting well, with, and that's, on offense? That's actually uh, another question here. Mm-hmm. Um, is It's actually, it's uh, we got it sort of from a couple different angles here yeah. where um, Noah also uh, had a uh, another question here asking sort of with a fully healthy uh, defensive core, uh, how does Billy Hanela fit with the uh, other three more sort of offensive type defensemen? Uh, and then uh, Julian also said that um, how does Hainel's recent play impact roster moves on the back end as players start becoming healthy over the next week or so? So coming at it from two angles there, um, in terms of with how Hainel is fitting with the other you know, offensive guys, he's starting to look way more comfortable offensively. Mm-hmm. And I think with each game he plays, he's getting more to his, his potential of what he can provide you know, value-wise on the offensive side. And he looks really, really good with the two guys he's been paired with, whether he's with Brendan Dillon, which Brendan Dillon had rave reviews about playing with him. Yes. <laughs> uh, big fan of his game. Um, but he also looks really good with Sandberg. Yeah. And he has, he's played with him a lot, too, in uh, the AHL. Um, so bringing it back to what we were talking about there, this really opens the the you know the opportunity for a move to move someone out because the more you block guys when they're finally actually playing to their potential that's only going to you know hinder their growth like if if you with with the last he's been playing for what five games in a row now four games uh 
in a row, yeah. I think he's played eight over the course of the year or something. Which is yeah. already like a quarter His of, career high. Yeah, no, like, he, I think going into this, he'd played like 25 games. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, you're looking at a situation where um, if you take Hanela out when Schmidt comes back, I'm not convinced that he looks the same when he comes back in. And this was the same conversation we've had several years in a row now where he actually, he is one of those guys who looks so much better when he gets consistent games. Mm -hmm. And I think that you're seeing that now. And he has legitimately played really, really well, especially the last couple against uh, uh, Vancouver and uh, Calgary. Those Mm -hmm. two games there, two of the best games we've seen him play in a Jets uniform. I think the Calgary game was the best game we've seen him play. He... Obviously, his his call is exits and entries and offensive flair, and he provided all of it in that game. So, I it's hard for me to wrap my head around this because I don't know if the Jets are willing to knock one of Schmidt or Pionk off of the power play, and if they're not willing to do that, then you're not using Hanela to the best of his abilities, which is on the power play. Yep. That's his best asset, right? Um, now, uh, shout out to Twitter. I I read this the other day from Nick Lanham. He he pointed out that uh, Perfetti never hit the IR, and there's only one move that needs to be made for uh, Schmidt and Ehlers to come back. Yeah. When Perfetti, Schmidt, and Ehlers come back, uh, Harkins got waived. So if they waive another forward, likely Isimont or Reichel. That's the thing. Um, I'm assuming they can keep him. I'm assuming there. it's Reichel because yeah. he just came up, so he's still within the the waiver limit. Uh, for his sake, I almost hope it's Mikey Isimont because he hasn't played in a while. I know. Which, um, which is frustrating because I was really really starting to you know like what he was (laughs) he was doing but um no but this is a situation where I think the best course of action for everyone is to move one of your bigger name guys and the older guys it's just hard to do it is like we talked about Vrana and teams with cap space there are not many teams that could absorb like Pionk and Schmidt are the first two names that you're like yep those are the two guys right they're both over five million cap hit, and like I guess besides Arizona, how many teams have five million in cap? Well, that there, can, this so, is the, the thing, right? Where Pionk is a guy that still has a fairly high perceived trade value. Yes, um, he is someone you use in a trade for a forward. Yeah, yeah. And so, in which case, there you're looking at a guy who you know, even if like there, there's there's a difference in their their cap. You're probably taking back if you're getting a, like a top six forward, you're taking back a similar cap hit. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that might be a little bit easier to swallow for guys, um, but like with Pionk, he's so chaotic, and yes, he adds the offensive part, but he gives up more than what he provides. Yeah. Like, and it, I feel terrible for the guys. This is this sounds like it's a real knock on Pionk, and I, I especially from his his. Uh, Canadian division year I was a big fan of his mm-hmm. I thought that that may have been him turning a corner uh, last couple seasons have been not great yeah um but this season especially the underlying numbers and honestly even the the on ice numbers for guys have tanked when they've been paired with him mm-hmm. Dylan and Pionk Sandberg and Pionk have been two of the worst pairings the Jets have yeah. iced this year yeah and there's a common denominator there because all, when all those other guys are paired with someone else they tend to do well yes mm-hmm. it's uh it's interesting because I don't think like they they're so tied up in the 
I don't know if it's shoveled off. It can't be the coaching anymore because that's changed. But in the past, they've been so hung up on they need right shot players here in the forward core. They need right defenders, right? So are they willing to move Pionk and have Hanela or Schmidt play second pairing right D, even though that's their offside, quote-unquote. Schmidt has played right D the whole time. But I think the most realistic thing is they keep 8D, like we said. Maybe they even run 7D. They dress 7 for a couple games, but they'll keep 8, and maybe you see a bit of a rotation. You see Hanel in for a game. You see how they can try and make it work with three offensive defensemen already on the roster because Morrissey's power play one. You're not going to take him off. And then Schmidt and Pionk power play two. And if you have, like, Hanela can help in other ways. We've been over this. He's great on exits. He can honestly kill penalties. Like, he kills penalties in the AHL, and he's good at it. Uh, it's just a it's a stereotype to think Finnish small defenseman. Oh, he can't kill penalties. But it's not. He can. He does it well in the AHL. But I think you they keep eight. They rotate him and Sandberg out, uh, whoever has a good game or a bad game. And hopefully Hanela wins it out. The real question will be when... Stanley comes back because when Stanley really comes back that... does Hanley get set down do they finally waive Capo Bianco I think they're getting to the point where Capo Bianco is the odd man out here because I don't think they're willing to though I don't know like maybe I mean, the play point, of Hanley has changed their mind well I think it I, at the very least it's changed Bonus's mind because yes. uh, out of you know the blue here suddenly his minutes have gone up like he's playing significantly more than he was like he was always like those sheltered third pairing minutes he's been averaging at least 15 for the last couple games yeah which is big because he's never been given that opportunity and bonus after the game talked about how he he said he i can't remember the quote exactly but he said something about him needing a run of games to really get going he said he said like he was praising Hanel and he said this is the best game he's played in a while and he needs a run of games to to really get going here. Which makes me think like there's no like look, we've been through this before where <laughs> coaches will say, Oh, Hanel is playing great and then two days later, oh, he's been reassigned to the AHL. But I just can't see it happening. Well, and that's the know. thing <laughs> too, where that praise and everything came after someone asking if Hanela was uh unfortunately gonna get sent down because they're getting a defenseman back. Right. And he refused to say that that's the option. Like, he essentially, yeah. he just, he turned it immediately and was like, no. Uh, he just Billy's played been, amazing. He's yeah. playing really good. Yeah. Uh, so that's where we're at on that. And then that, that was kind of nice to see because it was like a lot of the times you could tell from Maurice's demeanor uh, that it didn't really matter what Hanela did because he would play like once every three months, uh, look bad because he was cold. Uh, and then it was like, well, no, we'll see, we'll see what happens. And then you'd get the notification on your phone that he was sent down. So, <laughs> yep. um, yeah, I, I think the, the issue is, is there's, there's just too many, Yeah, there's too many bodies. Yeah. I, I will say though, if you want to classify, like if you take into what bonus has been saying about Villy having a good run of games and him playing well on both ends, I know he is. We, we will all probably classify him as him as an offensive defenseman, but I'm wondering if Bonus is starting to classify him as a two-way, so then that makes mm. Bonus go, oh, well, I guess if Philly's a two-way, then we only have two offensive defensemen on the team. So then that means that we can keep him up here because he plays both ways. And I think, actually, that's what Bonus is trying to do. Yeah, He's trying to make sure that Philly stays up, and he's telling him, hey, if you want to stay up, management wants to see you playing both ends of the all 200 feet and so if you can play all 200 feet then i can keep you up here yeah 
I don't know. I'm. I, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I know he's not the same player, but this trajectory is very similar to Miro Heiskinen. I don't. Mm. I. Mm. I know. I know it's not point production, but I'm just seeing this trend of where Miro wasn't like. Like I know Miro was obviously a better like quote unquote higher level prospect. Yeah. But it just seems like that arc of like bonus going. Well, he's young and he's offensive, and we need to make sure he plays both ends of the ice and playing well. I just it just seems like that arc is the same. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but that's kind of where I'm envisioning. I'm not saying he's going to be like I'm not going to be like, "Oh my god, he's next Miro where we've got two great defensemen coming blah blah." blah. Like that's <laughs> yeah. all I'm saying. I'm just saying that the trajectory and the way that Bonus is talking about him just yeah. seems like like he's trying to treat him like he's Miro. Yeah, I I mean, that would make sense because he's familiar with Miro's uh trajectory and all that, but I don't think he has obviously this this isn't what you meant, but I don't think he has anywhere near the ceiling of oh, Miro oh, of Heiskanen. Not. But especially not now. Yeah, and the trajectory is also similar to Josh Morrissey, who that is true. Young started to click. He fought his way into the lineup, and now Josh Morrissey, all these years later, is amazing. But I, again, I'm not saying him. Only making six million, by the way. Yeah, um, great contract. This is one of the first times this has happened. I actually I disagree with the whole Miro. Heiskanen thing. Really? Like, I, I saw your face. I was waiting for no, you. No, no. Like, because that's the thing. Uh, Heiskanen was the third overall pick, so obviously the expectations are different, but he stepped in, and I remember very clearly his first couple years, everyone's like, oh my God, this this dude is this dude's good. Yeah. Uh, and there was a brief moment where there was some sort of, uh, you know, disagree. I remember seeing this from Dallas fans uh, where they were disagreeing with uh, the perspective on from Bonus on Heiskanen's play. But uh, but even through that, there was never a point where I'm like, oh, he's going to struggle. I feel like with the two different types of players, the expectations and what we've seen from them, I don't know if they're really all that comparable in any way. Like, aside from Fair the enough. fact that they're just both young Finnish defensemen. I, think I didn't they, even take that into account. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that's the thing. Like They're, they're two years apart. Heiskanen's only 23. Yeah, he's yeah. very. Uh, he came into the league and played 82 games at 18. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, that's that's your first main thing was he's been given the opportunity. Obviously, you're going to give your third overall pick the opportunity. Uh, you'd think you'd give a top. You know. Third. Are you sure you're going to give your top three pick an opportunity at Shane Wright? Uh, I <laughs> yeah. think it depends yeah, he on the franchise. He was but, fourth. <laughs> oh, oh, I guess so. But still, t- are you sure you're going to give your top five pick an opportunity to do something? <laughs> no, okay. Well, we don't have to go back <laughs> on the Seattle type of things because I talk about that enough. Um, but no, like, I, I think the situation here is vastly different. Also, because Dallas's defensive group was made up of a lot of older guys, and Heiskanen was kind of like, I'm a different type of player. Yeah. I'm going to step in. The Jets have a bunch of guys who are, you know, offensive. And it's trying to figure out, okay, how does Villa differentiate from them, and how does he outplay them? Um, it was less of that issue with uh, with Heiskanen, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so the defensive group might be sort of a mess over the next it little while. It really might be. Um, so <laughs> this whole team and the IR situation is kind of a mess. It's we de- still have six players on IR. Have we yeah. even heard anything on Mason Appleton, like at all? He's still a ways away because he broke his wrist, so. well, like shattered it, and had surgery. Take a while, well, yeah. yeah. Well, I I knew that, but I was like, you'd at least expect somebody to ask in some <laughs> sort of scrum, going, "How is he looking? Has he at least put on his skates yet?" Like, 
Like you'd think yeah. something, but no. And I mean, I'm assuming he's still about a month because those are tricky. Yeah, trickier than hernia, which yeah. is hard to say. <laughs> yeah. Um. But no. So that's that's a lot of sort of what's going to happen there. So it's something to keep an eye on. Um. But uh, let's shift in a bit of a different direction here. So to put more of a perspective on the season, uh, we have a question from my friend Rebel, uh, which getting a shout out on like two of the last three episodes, he's just going to be loving this. This featured. Oh yeah, he, you know, a friend of the show. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, he asks, with the Jets sitting second in uh, you know the Central right now, what would it take for you to consider this a successful season? And I say that as of right now, with all the adversity they've faced and where they're at, and they actually have a fairly big cushion in second right now. Yeah, I'd say it's already you know shaping up to be a really successful season. Yeah, they seem totally in shape to make the playoffs. I honestly think they could win around with how kind of wild the West is. Yeah, um, I'm concerned about the possible opponent being Minnesota or Colorado, mm-hmm. um, but or Dallas. Honestly, like anyone in round one. Yeah, like it's 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 yeah. really it's it's kind of a toss up. But I, yeah. I feel like that one um, seed is important. It really is very um, important because I feel more confident in playing uh, one of the Pacific teams. Yeah, uh, because they're kind of all over the place. Yes. Um, but no, I I honestly don't think we're far off from already saying that this has been a successful season. It's certainly been a success in terms of uh, the turnaround from last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but the bar was low. Yes. Uh, if you're comparing it to last year, this is already a successful season. Uh, just the culture changing and the young players being more comfortable and Josh Morrissey being a Norris candidate and Mark Shifley having 20 million goals. Like, this is this is already... Like, if you were scripting the best possible start to a season, I guess it could have been healthier and could have won more games, but this is going as well as it could have possibly been. But taking last year out of it and just thinking about this year and, like, what this team is now... I would say two plus playoff series wins. So if they don't make the Western Conference Finals, it's a letdown. This heavily depends on what they do at the trade deadline. Because if they stand pat and don't do anything, then my per- perception might change a little bit. But you said this very early on that if they yeah, acquire top six forward, I think they'll make the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, yeah. And they, it's their contracts and their their cap sheet. You look at cap friendly; it lines up for them to go all in this year. It really does because all of their big names are up next year. Well, not all of them, but a lot of and Shifley. Um, and then Dubois up this year. Like this core is expiring on their contracts, except for Connor, Ehlers, and Morrissey. But this is the year. But it's also Hellebuck's playing the best he's ever played. Yes, you can't guarantee that he'll play this good next year. No. So this is the year to do that. I think they will, which is why I think they'll make the Western Conference Finals. And then if they do, I think that's obviously we we reference the 2017-18 team so much on this show. Like that was the one successful season. I'd think the same thing is true if they did it this year. Yeah, I'm gonna kind of. It, it all depends for me on yes, the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. If we acquire somebody, like Connor said, if we acquire somebody, then yes, I think that Western Conference Finals should be the aim. Um, well, if, if you're a player, your aim should always be, if you make the playoffs, you should be trying to get to the final. But yeah. <laughs> as a fan and as analysts, it's you kind of have to look at realist, realism. So at the same time, when you think of realism, my other point is, is it also depends on who we get in round one. 
Yes. Oh, or, absolutely. or in the second round. It, it all depends on matchups. So if we get like a Colorado in round one, if we get out of that, I'd be, yeah, I'll go to Portage and Maine and start flipping out like That's a little bit of an exaggeration, but I think you, I think you guys get what I mean. Where if we get a really tough matchup, we get through it. I'll be quite proud of this team. Mm-hmm. And then whatever after that, we get is gravy. But if we get a pretty easy matchup, we get first in the central, and we get a easy matchup in the first round, and then we get a favorable matchup in the second. Then yeah, conference finals would be the aim. Yeah. But I I think yeah, there's a couple, there's a bunch of different factors here. And I know you mentioned Hellebuck playing the best he's ever played. I'm pretty sure we said that a couple years ago when he won the Vesna. <laughs> He'll win yeah. it this year. And, and, and we were and we were all like, I don't know if we're gonna get this ever again. And this is it. And and, and this is it. Like yeah. you gotta go. You gotta keep going all in because. But I mean, it all that also depends on Hellebuck playing well is also dependent on the players around him. That's exactly. why he didn't look as good last year. Yeah. It was because everyone around him didn't want to play in front of him. It seems like this year they want to play in front of him because. They know that if he's playing well, then they're going to win some games. And so, yeah, as, as long as you can get your goalie to steal you a couple. I mean, we saw it against Edmonton. And if we can, I mean, by getting Ehlers back is kind of like a trade deadline yeah. acquisition. Yeah. And we've seen that a lot from people mentioning that. And yeah. I like saying that as, so if we can get Ehlers back, that's one acquisition. If you can get another one, yeah, it's for yeah. free. We don't have to trade. Well, I mean, we have to start paying him because he has to come off IR. <laughs> yeah. But if you think about it in terms of that's one acquisition, can we make one more? Mm-hmm. I, I I really hope that either bonus is pushing for it or somebody in that management group is pushing for it. Like, I really hope I want, I really want to hear Chevy or somebody or comment from somebody saying, Hey, got insider uh, inside talk on Chevy. He's trying to make moves. He's trying to make a move. He's trying to. He's talking with people. He's talking. He's picked up. He's at least picked up the phone. (laughs) I'm. I'm okay with hearing at the end. He's at the cabin. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. That is not what I want to hear. I don't want to hear. Where? I don't want to hear. Look, walking around the building today. Do not see Chevy at all. And I find out that he's at home. Like I really don't want to see that. I want to see it. If if I'm okay with in the end, if he picks up the phone. And either A, the right trade, like, like I don't, also don't want to hear the whole, oh, the right trade didn't come on the table. Yeah. I at least want to hear him come out to the presser at the end of the trade deadline, because he normally does a presser at the yeah. end, right? Yeah. I, I want to at least hear if he doesn't make a move. I at least want to hear, yeah, I picked up the phone for the last four days. I tried to make something work. Nobody budged on anybody. Yeah. Or, like, they're asking for me to trade, like, Rucker McGrory and like two firsts for somebody and yeah. it's, and you go asking too much, yeah. uh, they're they're asking way too much and at least he says that that I can live with but uh, oh no I think we're gonna stand pat and we're good especially with this roster and how the season's going yeah. that I will you will hear from me on Twitter and I will go <laughs> irate because yeah. I think I think we've all here at Level Flight had enough of oh we're gonna stand pat and not do anything yeah. or again and I referenced it in the previous show we're just gonna trade for Paul Stastny again or trade <laughs> bring him for back a, or or just trade for another center like uh, Kevin Hayes or yeah. I, I'd be convinced though that you I mean obviously he's not what he was that year when we traded for him uh, but you actually use him properly and not stick him in the bottom six and not play yeah. him yeah. fair enough but. All I'm saying is I think... Something right, needs to happen. Yes, we need to do something, and it probably needs to be 
like we have enough bottom six, bottom line forwards, especially yeah, wingers. More scoring is never a bad thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm. You know what? I would even actually be fine with somebody who is like I, I will take back what I said. If someone is a bottom six forward, but I hear that they're not a Carson Kuhlman type or a like a a two way defensive speedy guy, and you hear oh they have a goal scoring touch and this is what they do and they score. Yeah. Great. That's fantastic. I'm okay with that. Yeah, and you but. referenced how Hellbuck's having his best year since the Vesna year. That Vesna year, he carried that team to like a wild card spot, and they barely made the playoffs. This is the first time his Vesna caliber goaltending has been combined with an actual good team in front of him. That's the thing. He's like, not just carrying this team. Like this team is actually winning games on their own. I keep him. thinking <laughs> that they're going to fall off because no. of all the injuries and all the adversity, but they just keep finding ways to win. Uh, I said this up several episodes ago. It's just like. They just have it. Got that dog in them. They got that dog. <laughs> and Jets country, let's ride. <laughs> oh, God. oh my word! <laughs> and you also, Elliot, mentioned that uh, if they beat Colorado or Minnesota round one, then um, that's like that. Everything else after that is gravy. I personally would say if they beat Colorado or Minnesota round one, my expectations would be the Stanley Cup. I mean, if they beat yeah, Colorado that, that round is, that one, is correct. My, I, I didn't my expectations say it, change. But. I know, I know. Sitting right now, you say, "Oh, they want you want them to beat a good team." I, I get what you're saying, but at the time, if they do, if they end up beating Colorado in six or in five in round one, oh, if I'm we going, beat them oh, in five, yeah. then yes, I would say we're the best team in the Colorado league. Colorado has looked roll. great. They've but they've had some injuries, but like yeah. half of their team is dead. I know. <laughs> That's yeah. the thing. Like we have yet to see a fully healthy Avalanche this year. No. Um, and to be honest with you, I, they're not even in a playoff spot right now. No, yeah. Are, are, um, are we assuming that the Bruins are also in the East on the other side at this current moment? Oh, I mean, I, I, yeah. I, it, I find it very hard to believe. Maybe Carolina's really come on. Mm. They only lost. The Bruins they, are just so damn good. But in uh, December, Carolina found it. Yeah, they did. Um, they, <laughs> I think they on, they lost one game, and it was in overtime. Mm-hmm. And they went like 13-0-1 in uh, Carolina was my preseason team to come out of the East, and they are loaded on paper. I, I, so if they found it, it's dangerous. I yep. think I think in the East, they're at this moment they're the only team because the Devils have fallen off. Yeah, they have, which is um, unfortunate. I think it's just them falling back down to earth a little bit. Yeah, but, um, it's, it's a young core. Always the earlier in the season, the, yeah. yeah, the young teams earlier in the season always play well, and then the veteran the veterans go. All right, fine. I'll put on the skates and I'll play today. <laughs> but um, yeah, but no, I I think that there's a several avenues to saying it's a successful season, depending on the perspective. Yeah. Um, if you're shooting really high, obviously it's not going to be successful until they actually start winning. Uh, you know, in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. If you're looking at other aspects, like as you said, the room, uh, or the Morrissey culture being amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's that's already that's successful. that's a success yeah. right there. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think that's that's a good way to sort of look at that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, our last question for today, um, from uh, Fabian Wagner Superfan on Twitter, um, uh, we were asked uh, to do thirty-five to forty-five minutes on Wagner uh, just by himself. Um, I'm pleased to report that we will be <laughs> doing something like that uh, next week. Right now, uh, we're gonna start forty-five minutes. Ready? Yeah. So we are currently <laughs> Fabian off- Wagner. Let's do it. Yeah, we're look. We're looking at the that's clock a let's here. ride. Um, exactly. But uh, no, I firstly, I'd like to take a moment here uh, to apologize oh. to uh, Wagner and Wagner's fans because we made a grave error. And <laughs> because we were chatting beforehand, we got so hyper fixated on Lambert, Lucius and McGordy that we entirely forgot to mention Wagner 
who's come out and had a great tournament. Who had like low key the best tournament out of all of them. Yeah, like, I wonder could, if it's because you he listened to the pod and he got mad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we fueled we the motivation. That. <laughs> yeah. Um no, but he had 5 points in 6 games. Uh yeah. and uh we'll talk more about him next week. Yes. Um but and all of the prospects. Yes, we're going to do a big prospect hit piece next week. So, um if you have a specific prospect you want us to really deep dive on, let us know. Um We'll throw the tweet like yeah. a couple days before and we'll ask you because, yeah, we want to do this. Will probably be my favorite episode. I always like talking about prospects and players and that sort of thing. So, at Level Flight WPG on all socials, exactly. Um, no, but it's also fun too because a lot of players are you know getting that spotlight too in the world juniors. So, yeah. after you know, because it ends well at the time of recording, it ends tonight. <sighs> I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm wearing uh, my Canada jersey right now, yeah, ready Canada to heave away. Yeah. I'm ready okay. to heave away. Heave away. <laughs> I love how you guys made the prediction that it was going to be Canada-US in the final. And then, uh, as always, we always have to face them in the semi. <laughs> yeah. But whatever, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. It would have been had both teams finished first. But yeah. Czechia is a really good team they this year. They are so good. They yeah, frightened me. They came out of nowhere. Um. So, uh, yeah. So, by the time this comes out tomorrow, um, we'll be either really happy or really upset. Yeah. Um, but we're not sure yet, so uh, uh, until then, heave away. Um, <laughs> heave away. So thanks for all your questions. Yeah. Um, we're going to try that. and do that. We're not going to do it every week. Um, but Maybe you know, once a month or something like that. Once a month, yeah. once every couple of weeks. Maybe yeah. if there's something happening that might actually spur questions, yeah. we can do something. But um, no, we're, we'll just put tweets out and keep an eye out for it. And um, It's just... Mainly Twitter because it's just easier to quickly respond to. Yeah. So if you follow us on Twitter, as Connor said, at Level Flight WPG, um, that that's just the way you'll want to sort of contact us and send us your questions because we'll uh, we'll answer them. Or you can DM so, us. I'm, exactly. I'm okay, I'm okay with yeah. the DM. Yep. Um, but no. So thanks again for your questions. Um, and we had mentioned briefly about prospects, and we're not going to do too much on him today, but. I wanted to talk briefly about um, Jets prospect Danny Zilkin. Uh re- oh, Recently yeah. just signed his entry-level contract and was recently just the subject of a trade um, <laughs> where it was sent. Uh, he was sent from the Guelph Storm where he's been playing uh, this season and past, uh, sent uh, to the Kitchener Rangers uh, for uh, about... Three mortgaged houses, a bunch of pro- <laughs> rental properties, uh, and, and a ten-year-old child. A ten-year-old child, <laughs> such as every OHL trade ever. <laughs> yeah, um, the full trade is um, uh, Jilkin and Guelph's eighth-round pick in the 2025 OHL priority selection uh, in return for Jesse Fishman, uh, Barry's second-round pick in the 2023 OHL. Uh, uh, draft selection hamilton's fourth round pick in the 2023 draft selection oshawa's third round pick in the 2024 (laughs) priority selection hamilton's second round pick in the 2025 selection kitchener's third round pick in the 2025 and kitchener's third round pick in the 2026 my mouth is dry (laughs) and Uh, all of guelph's 14 or uh, 14 next first round picks or Kitchener's, sorry. <laughs> Just ridiculous. Yeah. But thus is life in the CHL. Yes. Um, but no, uh, we're big fans of Jilkin. We saw a lot of him in uh, uh, in training camp. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's also just a wizard on both sides of the puck. Like, he's so good uh, putting up you know, over a point per game this season. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think what's nice, too, is not only 
are the Jets getting a really good player, getting a really good person too. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to briefly touch on this um, because if you're not aware, uh, Jilkin has a, an initiative here uh, called Jilkin's Vision. Uh, with him and his partner Lauren, they've started something to you know, strive for the destigmatization uh, and pri- uh, prioritization of mental health and sport, which has often been talked about a lot. Uh, and it's a very important initiative. And for someone who has yet to even set foot in the NHL to have such a uh, an idea to use their platform for something so important, I think is something that everyone should pay attention to because that's a really, really good thing for a young player and uh, you know young entrepreneur even yes. uh, to do because you, you want to use your platform to do good. And with what uh, Danny and Lauren are doing uh, doing here, uh, it's just terrific. So it is. Um, shout out to them with that. Yeah, um, I took this from their their website, but they said uh, we hope that our project will encourage athletes to speak out about their mental well being while also providing individuals with the resources and support needed to seek help when they are struggling, which is just great. Like, yeah, he's how old is he? Like nineteen, eighteen? Yeah, like 19. such a young young kid that I mean, I'm one year older than him, but whatever. Um, young player that, like you said, has lots of like character and you love to see that from usually players wait to do something like this where they're deep into the nhl and they already have a platform but he's doing it no matter how big his platform is and that means a lot so well and that's the thing too um uh, when he launched it which was only just recently um he was saying that it's a massive part of hockey is mental health and people don't necessarily identify that Mm -hmm. and how it's uh, it, this is a direct quote from him um, where he said, we hold ourselves to such a high standard and it's easy to not take care of yourself. I think that's important. Yes. I think that's very important. Very. Um, because uh, it's also, a lot of the times, players are viewed by fans as almost like a commodity. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of points where you can take the you know person away from the player. And I think it's important to identify, which uh, Jilkin and Lauren have done here, is that there is... A person that needs to be thought about in these situations. Yes. Um, you may not like a player, but the, the the person behind that, you know, could be dealing with some stuff that you don't know about. You know, right? So uh, this and is a you big want a thing. good example of this. <laughs> the best player on the Jets this year, Josh Morrissey. Uh, the year he was struggling, the Canadian division. Talk about his mental health and what he was going through. Like yeah. you can see why he was struggling, and it's so so nice to see Morrissey. Scoring big goals, celebrating hard, smiling seemingly all the time. Because, yeah, mental health is a big part of hockey. And without the right mental space and the right mental health, you're not going to perform at your best. And clearly Morrissey was struggling with stuff, and now he's much better. And this is this is what Jokin is doing. He's bringing awareness to this and showing how important it really is. And that's the thing, too, where it's it, this is a situation where, you know, obviously we're not the biggest podcast out there. We're, we're striving to be, but we want to, <laughs> we want to, you know, support initiatives like this because, you know, the hockey community and a part that we, you know, we like to project ourselves into, we want to make sure that initiatives like this are known. And yes. especially to Jets fans who might not know this, we want this to be a, a point to be like, oh, I want to learn more about, you know, Danny Zilkin and what he's doing mm-hmm. off the ice rather than just on the ice, right? Yeah. So, um I really like to, you know, commend uh, uh, Jilkin and and Lauren for you know doing such a great thing here, and uh, can't wait to see more of it, especially once uh, 
you know, we actually start seeing more of Danny in the, the NHL system here. So um, good on both of you. And uh, uh, hopefully uh, let us know if either one of you are listening to this, because <laughs> uh, if there's something you want us to mention, um, if you want us to, you know, put something out there, uh, we'd be happy to. Um, we are big fans of the, the movement. Oh, Zilkin absolutely. Yeah, it's yeah. just, it's just such a great thing and yeah. i'm hoping it's getting a little bit traction like i i'm i don't know if guelph mm-hmm. was doing anything but i really hope that now he's with kitcher maybe he's mentioned it i hope they're helping him out they're pumping it mm-hmm. on their stuff um i know there were jets uh writers and such that wrote stuff about it and we're pumping it as well but hopefully yeah if he is able to because obviously as a prospect you really hope that he makes the jets roster especially with how he's looked yeah but hopefully at some point if he is on the team that hopefully now with big money and big company if you think of the jets as a company then hopefully they can help him push that forward so i just i just hope he's not doing this all on his own i'd feel really bad (laughs) because you you hope with i i know you talked about platform before connor but something like this you would hope that whatever company or team or whatever that he is a part of that hopefully that they are in agreement with him and they start pushing this as well yeah i'm sure they are i haven't seen anything but i like you said I, i really hope they are and off the ice obviously great a person but there's a lot to like on the ice as well we're going to talk about it next episode but um when we were at training camp i filmed uh him in one-on-one drills just blazing by defenders and stuff and people loved it people were retweeting and liking it like crazy those are some of my highly most highly interactive videos i said that wrong guaranteed but um (laughs) people love danny jilkin and this is why because he's a great a person so absolutely um and on that, uh, because that's a very, you know, good way to sort of end things off here. Yeah. Um, we're going to, you know, say goodbye for the week. Um, we're back at school now, so <laughs> we should actually be able to get into a nice little recording rhythm here. So oh, yeah. uh, you'll be hearing weekly from us again. Less interruptions now, at least for the next while. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for the weekend here, uh, you know, got the Jets and the Lightning, Jets and the Canucks. So it should be a very exciting one. We should be back fairly early next week. Uh, yeah. uh, so we should be able to talk about that Hopefully there. to break down Nikolai Ehlers' play. Oh, at the I very would, least. I hope so. At the very least, Cole Perfetti and Nate Schmidt. And a big win in the Canada World Junior Final. Oh, Hopefully. I'm hoping. <laughs> I'm hoping. Um, but no, so uh, as, as we all said, uh, be sure to you know keep an eye on our social media for uh, you know our mailbag episodes and just... Feel free to reach out if you ever want us to mention something on there, even if it's not a mailbag episode. Yeah. Right. So we'll, we'll bring it up if you if you want us to. So um, uh, on behalf of, uh, you know, Connor and Elliot, uh, I'm Brian. And I'd like to thank you for listening to the episode this week. And we'll see you next week. Go Jets and go Canada. <laughs> go Jets and go Canada. Heave away. <laughs> go Jets and yeah, country pride. Go Canada. <laughs> Heave away. You've been listening to the Level Flight Podcast.